must grow through And God bless the grass God bless the truth that fights toward the sun They roll the lies over it and think that it is done It moves through the ground and reaches for the air And after a while it is growing everywhere And God bless the grass God bless the grass that grows through cement It's green and it's tender and it's easily bent But after a while it lifts up its head For the grass is living and the stone is dead And God bless the grass God bless the grass that's gentle and low Its roots, they are deep, and its will is to grow. And God bless the truth, the friend of the poor, and the wild grass growing at the poor man's door. And God bless the grass. And welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. It is Friday, September 8th, 2017. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Mutiny Radio. We're broadcasting here live in the Mission District in San Francisco. Hope everyone has had a okay week. There's been a lot happening. There's been the natural disasters. There's been the human-made disasters. And one, of course, could argue that they are connected due to climate change. And if perhaps humans were a little bit better at protecting the environment, then we wouldn't be where we're at right now. So there's the hurricanes, there's the earthquakes, there's a lot. And then there's just man's inhumanity to man, which I remember learning about when I was in junior high. That's how I feel about that. Uh, So where to start exactly? The last few weeks we've been talking about the the Patriot prayer rallies that came into town and just that have been happening across the country where there have been this, these white supremacist rallies, sometimes masked as other types of rallies. <coughs> That's also how I feel about that. I'm sneezing all of it out of my body, all the stress, all the anger and the frustration and the sadness and the worry, getting it all out of my body through, through sneezing. It's a, new, it's a new tactic. Diversity of tactics, right? Whew. So, and a lot of us have been aware that for a very long time, this is what's been happening here in this country. There are folks who are attacked based on their identities. And many people choose to pretend that's not happening or want to gaslight those who speak up about it, um, which I feel is pretty dangerous and really reprehensible. And so now there's more and more evidence coming out, yet there's still people who are saying, oh, it's not so bad, and we're taking the side of the state, which is deeply problematic. Because soon, you know, if things continue as they are, thankfully at least people are speaking up and coming together and fighting back and being seen. That's really important. We have to. That's the, the only way we can do it is for folks to come together and folks to unite. And that's what we saw recently. So I, I've run out of words to call this current administration and folks in office. And also, if you've been listening to the show, I've been doing this since 2013. So you'll know that my uh, disgust of perhaps 
quote unquote, the system or government or whatever word you want to use, folks in positions of power, that didn't just start last November or this January. I've had it for a long time. I've had it in previous administrations. Uh, we lived for the W. We lived through the W years, and I'm sure if I had been really aware of what was happening in the '80s during Reagan, I would have also been pretty disgusted then too. So, a lot of these things have been put in place for a long time. There are there are millions of deportations. Millions is that correct? Under the Obama administration. So. It's not like these things just suddenly got bad. It's things have been bad for a long time. And I think a lot of people have been pretending it didn't exist. And now that there's a Republican doing it, it's some people are up in arms where if a Democrat was doing it, maybe people would be silent. So I think that's a really valid thing to think about is uh, not that we can go back in time and change anyone's behavior, although that would be nice. But to recognize a lot of this is systemic and has been happening for a long time. And a lot of things that folks are really enraged about have been going on before, since before 2016. And that's why it feels so difficult, I think, for, for many folks, is that it's so, in, it's so a part of the system. And it's so much of what's happened. And there have been people who have, you know, now are getting involved and before were not. So it is good that people are now waking up and taking part in it. And it's also feels frustrating. I can only speak for myself. It feels frustrating. And I also am not by any means saying, oh, I'm the greatest or I have always been doing things. I'm constantly learning, making mistakes. There are so many ways to be effective and to be helpful. And I recognize that as an individual, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a learning curve. There's so much to learn. And it's, I get that, that it's scary if perhaps folks are getting started for the first time, or even if you've been doing it for a long time, there's new things to learn and there's mistakes to be made. Absolutely. Um, you know, no one is without their own mistakes. Um, and at the same time, I, I, there's a lot of exhaustion, I think. I can only speak for myself. So hopefully some of this, for the folks who are listening, maybe this folks can relate it just does feel exhausting and i was talking to a friend yesterday on the phone who had the great uh just the, the two words that i hadn't quite recognized that i was also suffering from and that's compassion fatigue and that's very real and so whether that's you know hearing you know people that we know their stories or just the global the global story what what's happening to folks who are um being hunted down by the state um, or just dealing with the typical the, with microaggressions. I mean, I don't know. I mention this a lot. My Facebook feed, it's th- folks every day. There's instances of people being either like assaulted or accosted by the police, being targeted by the police. There's folks who are dealing with trauma from the police, from what they've done to their families. There's the microaggressions. There's being called names here and there. There's like workplace harassment. There's harassment on the train. These things, it's not like a one-time thing. It's, it's, like, it's a constant thing. And to be a witness to that and to recognize that, I don't understand. And I get that we all have different circles that we're in. We have different bubbles. And like, I'm, you know, we all, not everyone's aware of the same things that are happening. And so many different things are happening at the same time. It's impossible not to, we, we all, we can't know what's happening and at the same time, I don't understand how someone could be living in this time right now and not feel deeply offended and sad and angry or any of these things. Could not feel outraged by just the pure injustice that keeps on happening over and over and over again. I don't, I don't understand it. 
and how people could argue with those who are experiencing it, saying that somehow we're wrong to experience what we're experiencing, that somehow we're mistaken when we correctly label what's happening to us. It's super dangerous and it's really insensitive and it's harmful and it's hurtful. It's really hurtful. I've gotten to the point now where, and I get that we need to pick our battles. And at the same time, there are folks who ideally should be on our side, who are maybe our friends or we're connected to in some way. And when they come up to us and tell us that we're wrong or that maybe the folks who are causing us harm or maybe we shouldn't worry about them, I have to ask, what side are you on at this point? And also, do I even have the energy to argue about it? It's maddening. It really is. I don't know how we're supposed to survive if the folks who are supposed to be on our side won't even believe us. <sighs> so we're going to have a happy show today. I can't guarantee it. I did have some co coffee, caffeine, coffee, caffeine, coffee. So I'm a little bit more animated than I would be had I not. And that's a positive thing. Drinking some water, staying hydrated. Self-care is a good thing. We've got to take care of ourselves first. And that's something else I've been working on. As if I can get enough rest, um, you know, that's going to help me kind of show up as I'm able. So there was a protest um, in San Francisco on Tuesday at the federal building um, for folks to support DACA. And a lot of, like, I feel like maybe a thousand, I always have difficulty, not always, I shouldn't say always, no absolutes. Oftentimes I have difficulty assessing the, the size of the crowd. But I feel like based on what the Facebook invite had and also just who was there, there was maybe a thousand people there. And a lot of people, usually when there's, not usually, previously when there have been protests and rallies at the federal building, usually, usually, in the past what I've experienced is that folks kind of are in the plaza area and this time people were on the side and kind of took over the street, took over 7th Street and shut down 7th Street, which is really cool, 7th and Mission. So right around there. So the crowd gathered there for quite a while and then they, there were some speakers, and then there was a march to City Hall. And by the time the march started, some folks had um, had left. And I have an idea, and that's for folks who are stage managers and house managers in theater, because I've had experience working in theater. Um, folks who are really good at like kind of getting shows started on time, and there's a lot of variables, like in protest and in theater. You know, you don't know what the audience is doing or what technical things that are happening. Um, in the case of protests, the state's going to come in and fuck something up or be like, you can't be here, or I'm going to make a rule because I'm insecure. If folks who have experience with stage managing and house managing maybe could come in and like help out folks with protests, I think that would be awesome. I mean, it takes a lot of, I have so much gratitude for folks who organize and it takes a lot to put things together and to get things moving. And also I totally believe in the idea of horizontal leadership where everyone's a leader. Everyone can make change and everyone can do, can push forward to create the, what we need. And also uh, folks who have an organizational background, like getting shows started on time, if we had some of that energy um, also to help, because the more people, we need more people. That's the, the thing. Even if we have thousands of people in the street, we need more. We need to shut things down. We need to shut things down because this administration is fucked. And fuck all the people supporting it, and fuck all the agents who are being paid to like harass people and separate people's families and imprison people. Fuck them. That's, uh, I mean... I get that you have a job, but I have no sympathy at all. If you are hurting someone, that's what you're doing. You're hurting someone. So in an ideal world, I get that education is what's going to save us in the end. Um, perhaps folks who have a job that's based on harming folks, maybe I'll put it out into the universe, being super hippy-dippy here, 
boom, you wake up tomorrow. No, wake up right now. Wake up today. Suddenly be like, wait a second. What I'm doing, my job is harming people. I shouldn't be separating families. I shouldn't be kicking people out of a country with imaginary borders that don't even exist. The borders don't even exist. It's not, they're not real. It's not real. Oh, goodness. So in an ideal situation, folks, we'd all wake up and realize it's not good to harm folks and to separate families. And they would say, I'm not going to do this anymore, whether they're a guard or a uh, police officer or an ICE agent or a politician or someone out there whose job is, in fact, harming people. Weapons manufacturers. Oh, I can go down the list. There's a lot of jobs out there. And I don't wish to, and the thing is, it's capitalism too, it's a system. I don't wish to target any specific, well, there are definitely individuals who I think are super problematic and should stop. At the end of the day, also, it's the systemic. It's systemic, though, because if folks didn't need to have a certain kind of job, didn't have to have a job necessarily to survive, then there'd be fewer people drawn into this. Ideally, if folks could just survive being artists and teachers, (laughs) and as there are, things would be a lot safer. Why is it folks are drawn into certain professions that harm people instead of help people? I would love to see more people who are nurses and doctors and teachers and healers and artists, musicians, that's covered under artists, more folks like that. Yet, if you can get a paycheck doing something that's harmful, folks will also do that. So perhaps it's more like the systemic issue we need to kind of get rid of capitalism, which is already crumbling. It's already in its final stages. It's unsustainable. So there we go. And someone posted something recently, a really good saying that's pretty much if, if it wasn't for capitalism and the military spending that we have in this country that the, we wouldn't have to do these fundraising relief efforts for these natural disasters. If we have the fund, we do have the funds, if those were used maybe to help people instead of, I don't know, pay for bigger fighter jets, 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 weapons, all the money that goes into the military could go into helping people here. It's not that radical of an idea. It's really quite simple. <sighs> that's, that's my thought. Opened up the show with a song that's been in my mind. I still have the other song from last week in my mind a little bit, Love Me, I'm a Liberal, because that's just going to be in my mind for a long time. And the song is called God Bless the Grass by Melvina Reynolds. She's awesome. She's actually a Bay Area native, and, or was born here, I should say. Also, I want to be conscious of language. Um, she was she was born in San Francisco, and she went to Cal, and this was before Cal Berkeley was inviting fascists onto campus. <laughs> Steve Bannon's coming back, or coming here, and Milo's coming back. The, I mean, I'm just, ugh, gross. Anyway, so, yeah, I love that song, uh, God Bless the Grass, and the idea pretty much is that the truth will come out, and folks can try to, you know, make lies to pretend that the truth isn't real, and the truth is still going to come out because it's natural, and it's the right thing to do. And it's a beautiful song. And Pete Seeger covered it. And we'll be playing that version later on in the show. Also, we'll be playing some music by Midnight Oil because I heard that they are getting back together. And they're a good political group, too. And why not? And I had a dream a couple nights ago. I was doing the show and I was playing Midnight Oil. So I was like, that sounds like a premonition. So better make that happen. Coming up later in the program, we will be joined by Dr. Isaac Jackson. And Isaac's been on the show a couple times before, and we'll be talking about safe injection sites here in San Francisco. And that's something I think that's really, really crucial is that as much as we want to, we talk about what's the harm that either government or the systems that are in place are doing to humans, because they don't seem to be looking out for us at all. They do the opposite by imprisoning people instead of helping people. 
punishing folks instead of rehabilitating people. It's up to the humans, up to the humans, up to the civilians to, to kind of create the world that we want to live in. And that's exactly the kind of person that Dr. Isaac Jackson is. And we need more folks like that out there. So it's really crucial that we also remember that there are folks out there on the ground doing really good work like this, where we do create the world that we want to live in and also just sharing information because there's a lot of misinformation, especially growing up in the eighties where there was all this like anti-drug propaganda. (sighs) Meanwhile, I guess everyone was doing cocaine and, you know, it was fused with like all this like anti-communist and anti-gay sentiment and folks were being, arrested for doing crack and just like just separating families and the prison population skyrocketed and there was and folks who were in mental health facilities were put out on the street and ugh, ugh. i mean i was a kid at the time i didn't know but now looking back it's like oh fuck and then all the folks who who died of aids and the whole generation of people lost and i often think about if they were here right now where would we be? We wouldn't be here right now. I'm pretty sure of that. With all the people who were here, who are contributing to society, and for the folks who spent their lives taking care of them, you know, would homophobia, like, would it have totally gone away? Or would it still, would have at least decreased? If not for all of the fear-mongering that went into folks who are HIV positive? And for the folks, if they were still around, how would they have contributed to society in a way that we wouldn't necessarily have gotten to this place? Would San Francisco even be where it's at right now? I keep on meeting straight folks who live in the Castro who like sometimes complain about it, and I have a lot of negative words for them. Um, it's you know, it's like of all the and granted the Castro, there's a lot of things to work on there. However, if you're if you're a, identify as straight, and that's a whole other conversation to have, and then you're angry that you live in a or you're upset that you live in a neighborhood. Um, where there's gay folks or you can't quite deal with it or it makes you feel uncomfortable, you should fucking move. How about that? I'm trying not to get angry, but I am pretty angry. I'm going to hold on to my anger. And I'm not ashamed of my anger either because if I wasn't angry, I I would be totally numb. And I'd rather be angry than numb. And also, hopefully, anger can lead to action. Speaking of which, today at 4 p.m. So Urban Shield is a pretty terrible thing. And I'll speak a little bit more about that. There's going to be a rally to stop Urban Shield. And there have been rallies in the past. And there's even more happening now. So for folks who want to get get involved, it's really, there's ways where folks can kind of show up and really targeting like the systemic oppression that's happening. So folks go to stopurbanshield.org. You can find out more info. So it's happening today at 4 p.m. at the Alameda County Board of Supervisors office at 1221 Oak Street in Oakland. And I'll read a little bit from the website. And again, this is from StopUrbanShield.org. With the current manifestations of violence under the Trump administration, it is more important than ever to urge the Alameda County Board of Supervisors to end this racist and Islamophobic event and invest in emergency preparedness that benefits the health and well-being of our communities. While Urban Shield is just one front in the fight against the state's attempt to militarize every aspect of our lives, from its war-making here and abroad, to the increasing presence of police in our schools, to the systemic murder of black and brown people at the hands of police, stopping Urban Shield would be a major victory against this growing trend of militarization in cities everywhere, from Oakland to Ferguson to Baltimore. 
Stop Urban Shield is a broad coalition of grassroots community and social justice organizations united in the fight to end Urban Shield and hold accountable our cities and counties for their corroboration in increased racialized repression and violence. Join us in resisting violence against our communities and in fighting for genuine visions of justice, safety, and self-determination. So, yes, so this is happening today at 4 p.m. at the Alameda County Board of Supervisors office at 1221 Oak Street in Oakland. There's also a Facebook invite, and you can also find out more information at StopUrbanShield.org. There's a lot of different ways you can uh, get involved. They have campaign updates. There's a petition you can sign, events, resources. So, again, diversity of tactics, a lot of different ways you can support this to stand up against it. So... I guess that's positive. People coming together to stop the militarization of the state? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that needs to happen for sure. So it's 1220. I'm going to take a little bit of a music break. I'm going to play another song by Malvina Reynolds, um, which I discovered. I didn't discover it. I, f- I mean, I heard it. I didn't discover anything. It, it came my way when I was listening. And there also was like a documentary about her on YouTube that was pretty cool. So I, I kind of like the title of this song. Perhaps you can also relate. Uh, it's called "We Don't Need the Men." So you know, maybe some of maybe some of you can relate to this. It says in Cornet Magazine, June nineteen fifty six, page ten, that married women are not as happy as women who have no men. Married women are cranky. Frustrated and disgusted While single women are bright and gay Creative and well-adjusted We don't need the men We don't need the men We don't need to have them round Except for now and then They can come to see us When we need to move the piano Otherwise they can stay at home And read about the white songs We don't care about them We can't do without them They look cute in a bathing suit On a billboard in Manhattan We don't need the men
suit on a billboard in Madagascar. We don't need the men. We don't need the men. We don't need to have them round except for now and then. in their own bathroom we don't care about them we can't do without them they look cute in a bathing suit on a billboard in tierra del fuego and welcome back to the weekly review that was malvina reynolds with we don't need the men uh no comment <laughs> yeah oh yeah yep yeah well said very well said when we look at the current administration oh my gosh seriously Ugh. anyway moving along we got some more news stories here and other ways to folks can show up and uh this is an article from medium uh the daily, daily demand from a felicia uh, Jarvis, and this came out on March 2nd. And um, this is uh, Don't Get Your Undocumented Friends in Trouble, a how-to. Many U.S. citizens take our citizenship for granted. It's something most of us never worry about or think about, and the majority of us have never experienced life without it. As a consequence, we are incredibly out of touch with what privileges come with citizenship and what our impact as citizens can have on our undocumented friends and neighbors. If we are serious about defending DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, organizing against ICE raids and detention centers, and exploring other ways to exercise allyship with undocumented folks, there are precautions we must take. Organizing against deportations and the forces that carry them out is not like campaigning for a candidate, an initiative, or other causes we may all have experiences with. The risk is much higher. While organizing efforts may very well include politicians and initiatives, the nature of the work means that if we are not careful, we can literally get our colleagues, friends, and their families locked up or deported. You should not consider the following list legal advice, nor an exhaustive list of precautions to take. If there are undocumented people in your lives or on your campaigns, someone should be reaching out to get familiar with their personal boundaries, risk levels, and safety plans. So number one, for don't get your undocumented friends in trouble, don't out people who are undocumented. This information in the wrong hands can be life or death. If it isn't 100% absolutely necessary information, don't include it, don't bring it up, and don't ask. Even if it is already public information, you never know who is listening or reading or what their intentions are. Also consider this when choosing where to do voter registration drives where people may feel pressured to disclose their status. Two, don't out areas where undocumented people live. Example, we're going to organize slash reach out to people in X neighborhood because there's a large undocumented population there. Did I need to know that? No, I didn't. And ICE doesn't need to know it, doesn't need to find out either. Keep that to yourselves and those you are working with. If you're not explicitly asked by undocumented people there to organize with them, what business do you have going and making a bunch of noise there? Are you 100% familiar with how to protect their information, communicate safely and securely, and execute their safety and emergency plans? Probably not. Organize your own folks to leverage the resources and power you have. Three, 
Don't prioritize appearing as though you are centering those most affected above not getting those most affected deported. Political gatekeeping and tokenizing, especially in the social justice and nonprofit community, leads to safety issues. Citizens, do not pressure undocumented people to out themselves or appear publicly just so you look like good allies or that you are centering those most affected. Most of y'all center people publicly without centering them in the decision-making anyway, but that's none of my business. While there is nothing to suggest that this individual was pressured to speak in any way, in order to communicate the seriousness of this advice, it's important to share that a DACA recipient was recently detained by ICE shortly after doing a press conference about fears of deportation. Update, they are deporting the DACA recipient without a hearing. Centering people includes way more than just physically having them show up to stuff. It also means centering their needs, risks, and boundaries when you're organizing. Four, don't list build if you don't have to. Lots of events, workshops, know your rights type events are happening around immigration and documentation. Consider doing away with the sign-in sheet. There is no grant or money in the world more important than actual people's lives, than people's actual lives. There's only so much information you really need to collect for contact information. Phone numbers, addresses, things like that are more than likely none of your business. This includes taking photos of rooms where undocumented people are gathering. Five, protect your lists as if your own deportation depended on it. If you're going to have a sign-in sheet anyway, or other list of some sort, someone should be watching it at all times. No one in the organization should have access who doesn't need to. It should be destroyed as the soonest, as the soonest opportunity. Number six, don't put your own name on lists. For example, is there a link you can sign onto if you want to volunteer to protect undocumented people by keeping them in your home? Don't fucking sign things saying you're going to violate the law. I shouldn't have to say this. It's one thing to put your email on a chain to keep up with updates from the White House or local organizations, but it's another to put your name on a list of people who are helping people do things the federal government explicitly does not want. I don't care how reputable the organization is. Information gets compromised. Don't do it. Seven, some things you can do on your own in secret, and you should. You don't need to join a church to keep someone in your house. You don't even have to tell anyone that you are doing it. You shouldn't tell anyone you are doing it. You should definitely not brag to anyone about it for ally points or street cred. You should be putting yourself at legal risk, but more important, you would be putting yourself at legal risk, but more importantly, you are endangering the person or family you are trying to help. If you can do sneaky shit like keep someone in your house or finance it for someone else, keep your name off lists saying you want to do that. Do it because it's the right thing to do, not because you want to make sure people know how hardcore you are. Just do it and tell nobody. Create systems of anonymity if you and close friends are organizing it. Eight, understand that Homeland Security, ICE, and other federal agencies are not like your local police department. Surveillance is real, and so is the number of times both police departments and federal agencies have broken their own rules and laws to get the job done. When I say real, I mean malware on cell phones to collect data, undetected, undercovers pretending to be activists and organizers, ICE agents pretending to be undocumented, and so forth. ICE can also ghost a cell phone to pretend to be people close to undocumented folks and or lure them into custody. I don't care how many of your friends are police officers. And also, do I even have any friends who have... I don't think I have any friends who are police officers. I'm pretty sure I definitely don't. Anyway, continue continue on. But maybe some people listening do have friends who are police officers. Okay. 
I don't care how many of your friends are police officers or if you live in a sanctuary city. Your university or college could be a sanctuary campus, but they will still hand over every undocumented student they know or of that they know of if the law requires it. Don't just believe me. Ask your institution itself. Don't talk to them about your activities with undocumented friends. Look into the t- kind of technology that ICE, Homeland Security, the FBI, and so on use to conduct their operations and adjust accordingly. While local police are still becoming more and more militarized, these agencies have them beat by a long shot. Nine, stop fucking inviting your undocumented friends to the detention center. This is for my local folks. My bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, just-want-to-do-some-good PNW softies. The Northwest Detention Center is homeland security territory, and you can bet getting close to it or regularly attending events there lands you on a sweet list, potentially along with cell phone data, biometric information, and so on. But an undocumented person invited me there. They always speak. If you want to stand, if you want, if you want to stand at the detention center and risk your information, then fine. But don't bring your undocumented friends into the net of of those who seek to capture them, whose information can also be compromised. The undocumented organizers who have been there for years have an incredible amount of political connections and lawyers, a safeguard most don't have. There isn't a damn thing that happens outside that detention center that Homeland Security doesn't know every detail about. Who is going, what those people do for work, where they live, what they look like, the agenda, the times, the threat level. It's their job. Undocumented people should be informed of the risks of participating in these places. Sometimes undocumented people go because they don't know the, the risks. For example, sometimes when you go to, sometimes when you go, some weird guy you've never seen before is shuffling around the protest with Google Glass on and logging stuff into an iPad. That's weird, people. Don't bring your undocumented friends there. There are other things happening in the community. Ten, do not communicate about sensitive issues around documentation, immigration, etc., on phones or digital devices, let alone the internet. All that being said, your proximity to the detention center doesn't totally exempt you from the surveillance or its consequences. Like any other activity, you wouldn't want the government having evidence of keeping it completely off of phone conversations, digital devices, and the internet. Malware is bad. Imagine getting any one of your phones, computers, laptops, tablets, or other devices scooped up with a court order, or worse, seized at the border, something Border Patrol can do at any time. This includes searches of your social media feeds, messages, etc. If you use your fingerprint to unlock your phone, switch to an actual passcode. Legally, your fingerprint is considered biometric data and is not protected, so they can force you to unlock your phone with your fingerprint. Not so with a passcode. Again, you shouldn't be putting any potentially compromising information on your phone anyway, but safety first. 11. This includes your encrypted apps like Signal. 12. This includes your email servers like RiseUp.net. 13. This includes Slack. 14. I don't care what your coder or anarchist friend said, don't talk about sensitive shit on the internet. 15. Do not spread information that you are not completely sure is accurate and verified. Creating unjustified fear and paranoia can only make things worse, and is a form of control that we should not accidentally participate in. Many posts are going around without sources, without clear photos of logos and emblems, police and transit authorities being mistaken for ICE, etc. In addition to being verified, information should be time-stamped with location, including state. A basic ICE is on the metro post can get spread to metro areas all around the nation, causing unnecessary panic. 16. 
Do not post media of undocumented people on social media. Only videotape what is necessary and destroy what isn't needed. There is really no reason for you to have an ex- have extensive photo or video footage of gatherings of undocumented folks. If they are hosting the event, they are perfectly capable of arranging their own photographers or videographers and likely already have. Don't post videos Don't post photos or videos of undocumented people on social media. It doesn't matter if you see them posting photos of themselves or organizations led by undocumented people posting photos or videos. I've heard large organizations recently retort that it is legal to videotape any public event, so they will continue to do so. Y'all are assholes. Cut it out. 17. Take the time to understand all the risks undocumented people face and how they are treated differently in the legal system. White citizens, this is not like ratting out your buddy if you get caught shoplifting from Forever 21. They do not get a fine or a night in jail or community service. Undocumented people do not have the same rights as citizens. Undocumented people can be held in the detention center indefinitely. Undocumented people, except in very specific circumstances, do not have the right to a public defender or any lawyer. The risks you would usually consider are not the same. Learn about them. 18. Don't ask undocumented people to take coordinated arrests. If there is a time for political theater, now is not it. Do not ask your undocumented friends or rank and file to willingly give themselves to the legal system or draw attention to themselves so you can raise money or make a point. As a reminder, this is not a complete list, nor are the risk levels the same for all undocumented people. There are extra considerations and risks according to race, class, gender, and so on. We should not let fear and paranoia paralyze us from action or lead us to engage in patronizing behaviors, but we also should not treat the, mo- the movement to protect the safety and dignity of our undocumented friends and family without the precaution and respect they deserve. And it says, uh, this advice was written in collaboration with local leaders from the Washington Dream Coalition, an organization led by undocumented youth. So you can find this article on Medium, and we also shared it recently on the Weekly Review webpage, which you can find at facebook.com slash weeklyrev. We're going to take another music break, and then we'll be back in a little bit. And yeah, so stay tuned, and we'll be back in, uh, in a bit. i 
weekly review that was midnight oil with the dead heart i'm gonna provide some more information <laughs> that's what we do we provide information and so first is from uh university of san francisco which will be providing free daca renewal and this is going to be next week uh september 15th and 16th and it's uh, with the assistance of attorneys and law students and this will be september 15th from 2 to 6 p.m and september 16th 
from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And this will be at 2199 Fulton Street in San Francisco. And you can confirm your participation at 415-422-4585. And again, that's September 15th and 16th at USF. And that's at 2199 Fulton Street. And I'm going to share that information right now on the Weekly Review webpage so you can have that in writing so you can see it. And also, there's also going to be some sharing happening in Stockton. So I'm going to share that right now as well. So this is from the California Rural Legal Assistance Foundation. It's providing free legal assistance for DACA renewal applications until DHS stops receiving applications on October 5th, 2017. Applicants will be assisted by appointment only every Wednesday and Friday in Sacramento and every Thursday in Stockton. Remote application review assistance for individuals living outside Sacramento or San Joaquin counties. Please call 916-446-7901 to make either an in-office appointment or a remote assistance appointment, hashtag DACA. Plus this, there are three different resources for financial assistance for DACA. If you need assistance financially, you can, one, reach out to the Mexican consulate if you are Mexican, two, email applicants at dacafund.com, three, email dacafund at gmail, apply by Friday. Funds will be allocated depending on urgent need. Those whose work permits will be expiring within the next two to three months. DACA beneficiaries who'd like to obtain financial assistance should send an email to dacafund at gmail.com. Email must include an attached copy picture of their current work permit, omit personal info, for example, USCIS number, WAC number, address, and birthday, along with a brief explanation on the financial hardships one currently is facing. We ask DACA recipients to use their best judgment when applying to the fund and only apply if the money is extremely necessary. So I'm going to just share all this information as well right again right now on the weekly review webpage and that's at facebook.com slash weekly rev so you'll be able to see in writing exactly all of that information we're going to take another little bit brief music break and then we will be back with dr isaac jackson so please do stay tuned because you're going to want it out of you
All right, and welcome back to the Weekly Review. Joined here by Dr. Isaac Jackson. Isaac, thank you for being here. Oh, no problem. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So... Ooh, this is a bit of a continuation of a discussion that we've had in previous years about the future of safe injection sites here in San Francisco and right. harm reduction. Right, and, drug, and, and the health of drug users who are part of our community. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, there's been a lot going on since the last time we talked mm-hmm. about it. Um, well, let me just quickly just introduce myself to people. Um, my name is Isaac Jackson, and I am um, working with a group called the Urban Survivors Union, which is a drug user um, organizing group. Um, we do community organizing with drug users about issues that are concerned to them, um, and also interface with other people um, who are not drug users who are we consider allies mm-hmm. um, in the drug reform movement, harm reduction movement, blah 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 blah. And so we've been together in San Francisco um, for about three years, and uh, Urban Survivors Union has chapters in Seattle and also in the South, um, North Carolina, which recently um, passed a law allowing them to have needle exchange mm-hmm. last year. Oh yeah. And um, Urban Survivors Union had we, we were running an underground one before the you know. To change the law, so we I went out there in August when the law passed for a celebration, and it was really great energy out there. The South is um, really the energy there is just amazing. It's palpable um, to see people at the beginning of a of a you know cultural revolution in a way. Yeah. So it was really exciting. So, uh, Urban Survivors Union is a really great group, and um, if anyone out there wants to join us, uh, we're looking for people that want to do community organizing. Um, I mean, issues relating to the drug war and or um, drug user drug user health or any issues that you th- that you think are community based issues that will involve a lot of people, um, you can uh, email us at info at urbansurvivorsunion dot org. So anyway, that's, that's a little promo for us. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. Um, before I was with Urban Survivors Union, I also was with a group called um, San Francisco Drug Users Union, mm-hmm. which I helped found um, earlier in the decade. And we had been pushing for a, a safe injection facility in San Francisco back in like 2011, 12. Mm-hmm. In fact, we had a, an art exhibit called the Safe Injection Design Show in which we asked people to uh, um, come up with design ideas of what it would look like. Yeah. And it was a really fun show. Because, you know, there's so much stuff around um, opioid overdose and people dying, and it's really horrible, and this is part of an effort to stop that. Yes. Um, But, you know, you also, I think, my experience with community organizing, you also need to bring some joy to it. Yeah. You know, make it fun. I mean, even though the task may be gruesome, but putting it together, people coming together is always good. Yeah, yeah. And and knowing that you're going to help stop this the bad things in the future by coming together, mm-hmm. that's that's a joyous that's a joyous thing. Yeah. So you know, I, I, my my philosophy in doing community organizing is trying to always, you know, balance that because you know people get motivated uh, for disasters and tra- tragedies, of course, mm-hmm. but we have to keep it. The movement's got to be continual. We have to find. There's always stuff to do. There's never going to be... I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to get to the point in my life where I go, okay, I'm done. There's no more... No, nothing else I can do for... Uh, all drug users are happy. All the drug laws have been appealed. Everyone's, you know, everyone, no one's ODing anymore. It's all great. Um, 
I wish I, I wish I could do that, but yeah. um, it's not gonna happen that fast. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. um, as people must know, there's been a crisis in opioid overdose in, in in the United States, and let me say something really quickly as an aside to that. Um, we, meaning the drug using community, mm-hmm. told the feds or whoever would listen, do not crack down on um, Oxycontins and the different pills that people are using recreation because yeah. they're just going to go to heroin. We told them that, we told them that, and they didn't listen and they cracked down on, on getting those prescription pills <sighs> and that's what happened. People yeah. switched to heroin. And um, and it's just like a nightmare that was that didn't have to be. Right. Um. Anyway, so listen to the side saying that because you know, some, sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, you junkies cause all these problems, and you just, why don't you just get your shit together?" And well, you know, the thing is, is that so many things are, um, oops, <laughs> so many things that um, people don't understand. We don't have that much control over our what we get because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So it's a black market. So there's no quality control yeah. people can tell you it's anything yeah and also we have no control over things like um you know see my philosophy with, 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 with backtrack my philosophy with um drug use is that i'm not promoting drug use mm-hmm. i'm editorializing it it's already it's been it's, people been using drugs before I came to this planet. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be using drugs after I leave this planet. And what we do, at Urban Survivors, is, is have a critique of what's going on. Yes. And maybe we can make it better. Yeah. And help people. Maybe we can learn from studying it. That's what we're trying to do. And I, I, I challenge anyone to tell me that for the average drug user in San Francisco, life is, is peachy. You know, everything's fine. There's no problems. Mm-hmm. There's tons of problems. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to get into stigmatization of drug use yeah and prejudice against drug yeah. users and all that stuff like that but basically when people switch from uh, prescription pills to use heroin there's a lot of overdoses and then it got worse when people started substituting um, fentanyl which is like eight times more powerful than heroin mm-hmm. into the um, black market yeah and people weren't used to that and they just, d- just dropped like flies and just died like that so the idea behind safe injection facility is that when someone wants to, to inject drugs, they can go there. Yeah. And it would be um, a supervised space in the sense that if you saw signs of an overdose, mm-hmm. there'll be people there that can help you. Yeah. People that are trained to, to bring out of an overdose. And then also, you'd be, I see it as also a spot where people can come, come and get all kinds of information. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe hook up with a doctor, maybe, you know, in, in a non-judgmental space. Yeah. So that's the whole idea behind that. Um, and the city of San Francisco, um, in, this, in an infinite wisdom, convened a task force to see if that was going to be a possible uh, thing for us to do. Yeah. Then there's, there's only one in North America right now. No, 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 no. This, this changed this year. Sorry. That's last year's wrap. <laughs> there's, there's, um, there's like at least three. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's been one in Vancouver for a long time. Yeah. So for, for almost uh, at least 10 years, maybe longer. Toronto just opened up one. Mm-hmm. And I think Montreal has either opened up one or is about to. Okay. Um, 
And so, but in Europe, they've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're all over Europe, in you know, Denmark, Germany. Most, most progressive Western European states have had these um, drug consumption rooms or safe injection sites. Mm-hmm. Because some facilities also allow people to um, smoke and, you know, drugs there. So they call safe consumption sites. Yeah. Um, so the task force was convened here and met three times. It was put together by Supervisor London Breed. Um, I'm not in her district, so it's the first time I ever worked with her. Um, and she seemed to be pretty enthusiastic about it. Um, what happens usually people go to Vancouver uh-huh. and they have this like religious experience. Yeah. They actually see it happening. Because if you tell people, like, oh, yeah, what we're doing, people envision, like, a, a shooting gallery or something really sleazy or, you know, or, you know people just doing drugs here or fighting or whatever. No, it, it's a very um, clean space, very, um, yeah, it was just a healthy-looking space. Um, and uh, when they go and they see that, they oh, wow, we should have this here in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, ironically, I can't go see it because... And previous, in my, um, previously in my life, I've had um, some drug arrests many years ago. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I can't travel to Canada. <laughs> so I can't... Uh, well, uh. I, the consulate said I could go, but get this. I, I have to go down to L.A. Uh-huh. to the main consulate for interview. Uh-huh. I've been, they interview me to see whether I've been rehabilitated. Ah, uh, the gatekeeping <laughs> bullshit. And then, and then if they approve me, I can go uh-huh. for a limited amount of time. Uh-huh. It, you know, so, I mean, I might, I might do that one day, but yeah. I mean, I think it's so funny because uh, I'm trying to do this. The only reason I want to go is to help save lives. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not just going on a vacation or something. Right. Um, anyway. And, and even if you were going on a vacation, like... what? Why shouldn't you be able to? Yeah, because we all know there's no drug, there's no drug use in Canada. <sighs> you know, we, we, you know, so we want, we want anybody uh-huh. going there. Anyway, um, so the task force recommendation should be out any week now. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be out by the end of this month. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're going to say do it. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Um, I've been working also with a group of people, a coalition of people, who want to bring one to the Tenderloin. Yeah, yeah. That includes some some names you might not expect to be on that. On yeah? It. Like St. Francis mm-hmm. the Hospital. Okay. And St. Anthony's. Okay. Uh, well, 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 and St. Anthony's has been really... I've, I've watched them, the their frame of mind change over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's inspiring, I have to say, um, that the harm reduction is finally getting through the you know, mainstream great. people. Yeah, I think that they're more advanced than they, they want to do. It. They said they'll do it um, as soon as this law passes and um, called AB. Ooh, I forget, I, I'm not prepared. I should. But there's a bill in upstate in Sacramento mm-hmm. to make it legal for certain counties and the name of the counties to have this facility, so that they won't have any problems with local law enforcement. Okay. Because because you know you know people know in advance where people are going in there, so you don't want people coming out getting busted or going in there getting busted. Yeah. So the uh, the bill looks like pretty. It's, it's been sp- sponsored by all of people. Scott Weiner. I was going <laughs> to mention his name, and then I was like, no. But wow. Yeah. yeah wow. It's, fu- it's funny how that works. Huh. You know, um, people do grow up. That's. That's very reassuring and gives me some hope. It really does. Yeah. No. I mean, oh. so you know, I, I look, 
Uh, politics is a, is a funny game. Like, if you're my enemy yesterday, mm-hmm. if you're on my side today, yep. welcome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Help us get this through. So, um, it's looking good. And uh, it's a very arcane process up there. Mm-hmm. It's all these things like he- hearings. and So, a bunch of us went up at, up to um, Sacramento to tell them what we thought about it. Yeah. I don't know if it had any effect or not, but um, it's, it's, it's about to be, um, I think, passed. Great. So then, then there'll be the legal thing to go through, except for the feds. Yeah, shall we talk about the feds? And Mr. Sessions. Ugh, uh, yeah, ugh. I think that he's going to... Uh, my feeling about it is he, 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 this is going to be such a radical idea. Yeah. That either the, for them, that either they're going to run with it and beat Samsung up in the media about, it, about yeah. it, or they'll just ignore it. Yeah. Because it's too far out. Yeah, and, and they just don't want this idea to spread any further. I see, <laughs> I see. So it's gonna be one of those two things I predict. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the reason why having people like St. Anthony's is important because they're a private foundation; they don't, they don't take any government money. Mm-hmm. So you know they can't squeeze them the way they could squeeze other people. Like, I see like the city. So you know you want to have a broad coalition to get you know meaningful change sometimes. And uh, that's what community organizing is all about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is this is really, aside from the politics of it, I think this is a really good example of what community organizing to me is still a viable um, um, practice for making meaningful social change. Yeah, definitely. And also just to see how you can like influence the people who do like write the bills and, and the laws, and the fact that if you get enough people together, you can influence them and teach them. Yes, and for all the people who have friends and family who have passed because of uh, overdose, m- maybe this will make make. How can I say this? Um, maybe they have not died in vain. Mm-hmm. I know, of course, they didn't die in vain, but maybe the, their their death can be. The energy can be seen as pr- propelling us into a new era where that won't happen again in the yes. future. Yes. Yeah. You know that the, 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 their loss has been noted, mm-hmm. and it's terrible what's happening. And maybe there might be you know silver lining in all of it. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because the fentanyl thing is like I don't get it because I tested some um, methamphetamine because mm-hmm. we have this. Uh, if you want to go. Um, th- because of the fentanyl problem, mm-hmm. the needle exchange, the harm reduction center um, on 6th Street between Howard and Mission, uh-huh. anyone can go there and get a kit that, okay. w- that w- you can test your drugs oh, okay. for fentanyl. And so um, fentanyl is like an opioid, right? So it's kind of a, you know, you bring it down rather than up. Mm-hmm. Well, I tested some methamphetamine with a kit. And there was fentanyl in the, in the speed, Ugh. which is crazy. I mean, it's so nuts. So this is another reason why we need legalization, because it's an unregulated market, yeah. and we need to have some idea of what people are taking. Yes, yeah. Because you know, black markets are notorious for um, for for uh, failures, mm-hmm. and it happens in big pharma even. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the disastrous drug trials and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping I see the light in the tunnel. Um, I think that people are seeing that you can't jail our way out of this. Mm-hmm. We can't make people stop doing something that they they like to do. Um, and we're just spending a lot of money on on, on the solution that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Forty, fifty years of a drug war doesn't work. Yeah. 
and just ruining, ruining communities, ruining people's lives, and with a uh, disproportionate effect on Latino and African American communities, um, with the policing and all the stuff like that. Um, it's just it, it, there's nothing good to say about this policy. Yeah. And yet we have a new attorney general coming into to power in, in Washington, thanks to President Trump, who wants to go back to that era. Yeah. Um, and some people might say, what do you mean go back? Have we, have we left it? Well, we haven't quite left the war on drugs, but you know what? It feels like it's, it was winding down. Yeah. Um, because, for instance, uh, President Obama um, commuted, uh, commuted the sentences of like over 500 people mm-hmm. who, was, who were given disproportionate sentencing because of the crack cocaine mm-hmm. discrepancy. If anyone's listening and doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's basically... Um, you can have ten times the amount of uh, cocaine powder than you would have in crack, and you would get the same sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and who? Yeah. And, and so, and crack was designed for be to be um, marketed to, to poor people mm-hmm. because you get these little packets, you know, yeah. small packets. So that's why they did that way through sentencing. So, um, so you have a lot of people going to prison for small amounts of cocaine mm-hmm. they actually measure how much cocaine is in the crack yeah a lot less than someone had you know but yeah they get the same sentencing yeah and because of the emphasis on Latino and, and African American communities a lot of people were in there for a long time yeah but it just wasn't fair right right it wasn't fair so um, it's like you know it was just terrible so Obama commuted the census. I wish he'd done it in the first term yeah rather than the end of the second term yeah but you, you know it takes what you can get um, and that was the beginning, I think, of an understanding that um, there's been injustice. Yeah. A lot of injustice. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, now, the work that we do, um, I was really honored that they asked me to be on the task force because I think it was one of the fr- first times that the city had asked an, you know, an out-drug-using group to help them mm-hmm. do something, you know. So I think that was really that was really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it just makes me think about so many movements where it really needs to be led by the people who have the experience in it, as opposed to other folks who kind mm-hmm. of are either chosen or want to be like a savior type and kind of come in and don't actually know what what what's what. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, they did listen. Um, I don't know how much input I will actually have in the final product. I just like they had the kind of hands off. Like they listen to me, mm-hmm. but they were committing. Mm-hmm. I haven't said anything to them. Yeah. So that I'm not, if this thing comes out, safe ejection facility, and it's, it's not good. Yeah. Urban survivors union will say it's not good. Yeah. I mean, we'll you know I don't I mean I don't think we'll ever say don't go to it, but we'll criticize if it needs to be because yeah you know that's what that's what we're not here to just to make people feel good. Mm-hmm. We're here to do the right thing. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Definitely. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um and. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been out as a drug user for a while, um, and I, I rest my case on free speech rights in the Constitution. I, I'm mm-hmm. allowed to do this yeah. without any repercussions. And so far at San Francisco, it's been okay. Um, but I think if I, if I was somewhere else, it might be a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I mentioned Urban Survivors Union, we were in the South, 
and, the, and the, when, they, when they did the needle exchange when the underground the police would come there almost every month and, mm. and, and like raid them and shut them down <sighs> you know and they just give you needles free, clean needles yeah. that's all they're yeah. doing so yeah America oh my god <laughs> the, no, I mean I don't want to think about the big picture <laughs> I'll just start crying and stop talking but I mean it, you know how, this, is, this is a weird country isn't it yeah, weird is definitely one word to. It just feels like so backwards in so many ways when you have the people who are paid to serve and protect in quotes, who are the ones causing a lot of the harm mm-hmm. and making things worse. Mm-hmm. And I think for that's been happening for a long time, and for folks are now beginning to realize that it just seems that it's we're like fighting against the system itself. That it's like we're to, it's just there's so many lies and so mm-hmm. much brainwashing that so much secrecy. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the Snowden revelations were really important to understand that um, you know, how much we've been lied to. Yeah. Over the over the years, I mean, I knew we, I knew we weren't getting the whole truth. Yeah. But you know, that's all. I'm sure you've done programs around that, but um, I just think that um, my whole view of of um, this country was changed by that. Yeah. Cause you used to think, oh, that's the Stasi in Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like you know, uh, the totalitarian governments do that in Latin yeah. America. You know, the but they don't do that here with a search warrant. They don't do that here with. I mean, mm-hmm. oh yes, they do. Yeah. And drug users are kind of used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have in our community, we have like protocols around that that maybe other people don't have. But um, still, still shocking. Yeah. But not to go off topic, but um, yeah, it's a weird country. I mean, but at the same time, we have we can do this radio show mm-hmm. without fear anyone's going to shut us down. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like waiting for my let's be the last one. You know, what am I going to say? That's, I mean, if anything, I also just feel like all the more reason just to say it right now because we don't know if we'll have that opportunity again. It's true. It's true. Well, you just say, hey, you know, this is another side of like we need to have a real, you know, change, a revolution. Yep. Um, and, and the thing about this country is, is that my understanding of it is um, they're, 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 they're built in things that make it hard to make make, it, make change hard Yeah. but it's because you don't want to swing too far one way or the other really fast mm. so but um, but but if people build consensus yeah I think we can have, and we have seen it in our lifetimes. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I'm 60 something years old, and I remember going to the South where my mother's family is from. Yeah. In my lifetime, and seeing segregated lunch counters. Yeah. You know, I remember I was I was a kid, but I remember going to the counter and um, the places. You know, you can't buy that candy down up here. You gotta go down to that end of the counter mm. to buy the candy. I was like, I'm I'm just a kid. Yeah. Like, wait, you take my ten cents. Like, why do you have to indoctrinate me into this system of white supremacy? Yeah. You know, and, and just really into this in my lifetime. So we've come a long way. That yeah. doesn't exist in America that blatantly anymore. Anywhere I hope. Um, there's the, of course there's also kinds of problems, but that was just outrageous. Yeah. You know, and and so yeah, we've come a long way, um, and we can go even further. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if, so you told me when I was younger, that there, was, there would be a black president, marijuana's going to be legal. Yeah. <laughs> Gay people can get married. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Um, you, you name it, you know, what, what, what recent social changes have been 
you know, forthcoming. I would go like, no way, mm-hmm. no fucking way. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's okay. We can. It's totally uncensored. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No way, you know. But um, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not apologizing for the liberal democratic state. I'm not saying they're great. But I'm just saying that um, to give people some inspiration that we can make drugs legal. We can yeah. change, turn it around. Yeah. That's so helpful and hopeful to hear because I feel like it's oftentimes, for myself anyway, I, I hear all the, the negative things that are happening or are planning to happen. And it feels easy to uh, to feel powerless, I guess, or to mm-hmm. feel like even even if we are in the majority, it's sometimes hard not to feel like oh no what are we going to do about it or to feel overwhelmed by it right because the system puts money in a really strange position mm-hmm. above the, the people's wishes yep yeah and so the majority of us are not in the one percent by definition mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it, it can get really distorted but um i think there are times where i mean i have faith in in um the people yeah um and yeah, it's slow, but but I think there's a certain point where people get you can only push American people so far. Yeah, and Trump has pushed a lot of buttons already. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And people out in the street, they're demonstrating, and yeah. it's really great that pe- that they, they we're showing that. Um, someone said to me, I'm, I'm not sure there's countless shows in this, but I just want to say my piece about it. Someone t- said to me, a friend of mine said, "Oh, I'm so in despair. I don't know what to do. This is horrible. I can't three three more years of this. I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind." And I just said, "Well, look. Just remember. Just keep telling people this is not normal. Yeah. As, as messed up as America has been, this is really, <laughs> really messed up. Yeah. This is yeah. this is unusually messed up. So just just keep that in mind. Just keep telling people this is not normal. Don't accept it. We cannot accept this as the status quo. Right. Right. It's just yeah. It's crazy. Yeah." Yeah, we have to fight against the normalization of all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, gee, I, freedom, I never, ugh, we could do a whole show on it. I'll, I'll get sidetracked, but yeah, people listening to the show must know. Yeah. Trump sucks. <laughs> and he's not, he's not, any, he's not any friends in the drug using community either. Uh, he makes, he had crocodile tears around opioid, opioid, um, overdose. Yeah. But he's not going to help. In the long run, he's going to criminalize, criminalize, criminalize. Yeah. And Jeff Sessions is like, he... See, the thing that's so weird about this time is it's one thing to be right-wing and crazy. Yeah. But uh, to make shit up out of thin air that it's not true. Yeah. And say that is, like, the truth, it's it's just really... I wonder, I wonder if they do it on purpose. You know, they really, they, they must know that marijuana does not lead to marijuana addiction. Right, which right. Was, which the Attorney General in session said. Ugh. Um, uh, it reminds me of, um, you know, the book 1984. Yeah. Where they just told lies. Mm-hmm. And long enough people believe them. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like this country's been like that for since it's in inception anyway though just telling lies about people and the fear mongering mm-hmm. to keep people separated and afraid of each other yeah I mean yes there's personal attacks and and slanderous um, gross stereotypes that, 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 that's been with us for a long time but what's new I think about this situation is they're denying undeniable scientific facts yeah object, objective reality yeah it's just you know, um, like global warming is a classic example. Um, now every year they 
it's been warmer than the year before on yeah. average. Yeah. For the last like five, ten years. Yeah. Each year it's getting warmer. Yeah. Was I cannot understand why you don't believe, Mr. Trump, that, that this is a real phenomenon. Yeah. It's it's just a fact. So that's scary because um, when you lose control of basic facts like what time is it or mm-hmm. how warm is it yeah or you know is it day is it night is it what yeah. year is it what happened in history yeah you know then you really are going to lose something that's going to be hard to get back yes so keep on publishing keep on speaking um, if you're a drug user keep on trucking do what you have to do mm-hmm. uh, be careful don't be paranoid and um, you know just be careful and um Join join us in, in uh, you know, our events. What we what we've been doing besides um, trying to do safe injection site here in San Francisco, Urban Survivors Union, we've been pointing out the fact that harm reduction services for drug users have been, we think, monopolized or geared toward injection drug users. Mm-hmm. Not much for people who smoke drugs, mm-hmm. and that would include people who smoke crack, who and lot, uh, and um, which includes a lot of minority people. So, so the lot of minority people being left out of a health initiative in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Wow, this should be front page news. We should try and change yeah, that. Yeah, We've been trying to change that. We've been handing out um, crack pipes um, for three years oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you were last time we spoke about that. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, the city does not want to budge. And I don't know why. It's, but I, like when I go around, like I said, I'm part of this coalition with the Safe Jackson facility. Yeah. I go around and give presentations to different groups with other members mm-hmm. because we want to get community buy-in. Invariably, someone will ask the question and answer, what about people who smoke, you know, crack? I think, will they be able to do that there? And the answer right now is probably not. Mm-hmm. And I've been telling them at the task force, you just keep kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Because eventually you have to do it. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so... It's um, not fair. Yeah. Um, we've been collecting data, and um, of um, you know who comes to get the crack pipes, just in terms of no names or anything, just like um, ethnicity, race, um, gender, identification. Um, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. And crack has this mythology of being a drug that's that's only um, mostly done by African Americans. And that's not true. Yeah. Um, Marv data shows that um, black men make up about half of the people, and the other half is made up made up of um, white men, white women, black women, and some Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our numbers may be skewed because where we do our research, um, it's been the tenderloin. Yeah. But um, it's not just. Um, uh, black only drug it's, it's a lot of people smoke crack and and so basically the city is leaving a lot of people out of health initiatives because they don't have services for the population yeah I still don't understand why they don't want to do it but anyway I guess a lot of things I don't understand but um, we're getting there mm-hmm. and the people are telling me the liberals are saying okay be quiet about that Isaac you know we, we just want to get this facility open up <laughs> You know, and then we'll maybe do it later. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but you know, time we we'll waste ten years. Yeah. Ten years from now, we finally do it. Well, we could have done it this year. Yeah. I guess that makes me more of a radical than 
a reformer. Yeah. I just say do it right. Just go. Yeah. Get, get, analyze it, what the problem is, and just tackle it. Don't beat around the bush. Just yeah. Do a little bit here, a little bit there. This is, I don't know. But anyway, liberals can be a problem sometimes. We all know that. Yeah, that was the, one of the themes of last week. I played the song uh, "Love Me, I'm a Liberal" and yeah. very various uh, cover versions of that. Yeah, they songs. mean well, but you know, gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a really nice way of putting it. It's sometimes they're like the stumbling block mm-hmm. to 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 progress. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, it's this weird mindset. If you're not part of the social group, then then they have to take care of you. Yeah, you, you can't be a leader. Yeah, you know. Anyway, but um, San Francisco still, you know, it's all relative. Um, if you if you take a step back, like zoom out from like Google Maps and look at the rest of the country, mm-hmm. it's still like pretty progressive. Yeah, I um, mean, and uh, but it's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Has it has to be progressive, not pretty progressive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Um, and one thing, other thing I want to say is that um, if you haven't seen us at other rallies or demonstrations, it doesn't mean that we're not supportive. Mm-hmm. It's just that we're a small group mm-hmm. and try to get people to um, do our events. Yeah. So we haven't we haven't made a big push yet to get to other events, but I think it's coming soon. Okay. That we're going to be showing up and doing stuff like that. Okay. Because um, we you know we are concerned about the other issues. You know, like sure. what's going on with immigration and um women's rights and things like that um and trans transgender um we did march in the the g uh the gay freedom day mm-hmm. um pray once um but the, you know we, we'll get there yeah so if folks want to either contribute or or help um what's the best way for folks to find you all okay yeah um Info, I-N-F-O, mm-hmm. at Urban Survivors Union, mm-hmm. that's one word, dot org. Great. And we're a non-profit uh, 5013C organization, so if you want to donate, um, you can, t- we, we just let us know you, you, your donation, wants to, you want to be tax deductible, and at the end of the year, we'll write you a letter that you can show your, who does your taxes, mm-hmm. to deduct that amount from your taxes. So basically, you can give us money for free. Great. Kind of, sort of. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, 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 um, we exist on um, donations, and we have some small grants. Here in San Francisco, we got some grant money from su- surprising sources. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, and grassroots sources. So I like it that way, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Cool. Well, thanks for letting me come yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for coming back yeah. and sharing all this information with us. It's really um, uh, just really beneficial just to hear this and also just to remember that there are so many folks doing a lot of really good work um, counter to the the problematic things that we hear coming from the current administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we, part of what we have to do is um, not only have good politics, but we have to show that drug users are good people, too. Yeah. That we just under, we, we're really oppressed. Yeah, you know, and we look broken down not because we want to be that way, but because the system has broken people down. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you know, we want to change that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So thanks for helping 
me spread the word and uh, hope people hope hope someone out there will hear this and want to help volunteer or donate money or just you know check us out yeah and even just to like uh change that one's understanding of how things are too and, and remember you're not alone yeah thanks thank you so much isaac thank you here. all right we're gonna take a bit of a music break and then we'll be back uh after that so stay cool. tuned on oil tanker, the CSR company faced tough questioning at the company's annual general meeting today from Chernobyl concerned that payouts to workers affected by asbestos financially...
I call shotgun! <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, we're going to take another, play some more, oh, we're going to play some more music, so we'll be back in just a bit, so please stay tuned. We're going to play a little bit more Midnight Oil, and then we'll be wrapping up the show in a bit. Oh, that's Jesus. 
And welcome back to the weekly review. That was some Midnight Oil. Some Midnight Oil. It was Midnight Oil with Forgotten Years. And before that, we heard another song of theirs, Blue Sky Mine. So, yeah, thanks. Big thank you to Isaac Jackson for coming in here and um, speaking about the information about the Urban Survivors Union. And uh, just very grateful for folks who are doing so much like work and educating and actually telling things like it is. And that goes back to the song we started off with, with this idea of uh, God bless the grass, which is the idea of uh, the truth coming out and how the, when the truth is revealed, then all the folks who try to lie about it, they will, they don't stand a chance against the truth. So yeah, that's really great. Oh, I feel nice and warm and cuddly. So really grateful for, for all of, all of that. Um, yeah. And again, there's really problematic and horrific things happening in the world. And at the same time, there's a lot of folks doing a lot of good work. So just very appreciative of that. I'm feeling like ending on a positive note. So I am going to read a positive story. This is from Boing Boing. Californians have a chance to legalize magic mushrooms next year. Uh, a measure to legalize magic mushrooms was filed with the California State Attorney General's office last week. Now it's up to shroom advocates to collect 365,880 voter signatures to bring the measure to a statewide vote. And from the IBI Times, the proposal was filed by Kevin Saunders, a former candidate for mayor in Marina, a city on California's central coast. Saunders said using mushrooms helped him stop his reliance on heroin 15 years ago. I think we're seeing something that could literally heal our brothers and sisters, he told the Los Angeles Times. We're talking about real cutting-edge stuff. So, that's positive news, right? And again, folks kind of putting it out there, and also a lot of things that are medicinal and help people um, have been criminalized in this country. So, if we can move to change that, we'll be a lot better off. And perhaps the folks with all their misinformation will recognize that they are that they are wrong in that. So coming up next is going to be global global. <laughs> I, I can talk. I really can. Global Val with Women's Magazine, followed by the Common Thread Collective. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. We are fundraising here all the time because this is a community radio station, and we just we all just put in our own funds to kind of keep the station afloat so we could use your help if you go to mutinyradio.fm there's a uh, donate button on there you can donate to the station as a whole you can come in in person we have a we have a jar that you can also donate to there's live performances here every day you can come check that out those out and support the station that way we also have slots available to do shows so if you would like to do a show of your own, of your own you can do that and again it's uncensored you can swear all you want you can say whatever you want that's pretty great. Um, of course, no hate speech. Of course not. Um, so I'm going to see if I can pull up some more information about the show dates that are now available. So if you would like to rent a space here, you can do that. Um, let's see. So some open spots. Um, so Sunday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday from 10 a.m. No, from Monday, 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. Thursdays from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. Uh, and Fridays from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. And Saturdays, I guess, from 12 p.m. to set Saturdays, 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. Also, the third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is co- open to submissions. It's $10 for a submission. Uh, so you can do that as well. So go check out mutinyradio.fm. Also, if you would like to support this podcast, 
weekly, the weekly review, I would really appreciate it. It would make me super happy. I'm happy to do this, to volunteer my time to do this. And at the same time, um, we, we pay to rent the space. So if the listeners would like to even contribute a dollar a month, that would help. But if enough folks can contribute that much, we would cover the dues completely. So you can contribute by going to patreon.com slash weekly rev. And that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash weekly rev. We're looking to raise $28 more a month. So if only a few folks can donate, you know, a few bucks more, um, if you haven't already, that would be awesome. Also, if you're able just to donate a one-time thing, that would also be helpful. We're almost at our goal. So please, um, I don't have any PBS tote bags to offer, just my undying love and affection and compassion, which I have compassion anyway. However, it would really help keep the, keep the doors open here. And, you know, if everyone can give a little bit, that's how we're going to win thing, these things, right? So even if a dollar, some folks donate a dollar a month, I appreciate that so much. So patreon.com slash weekly rev. Keep honest free speech radio open and available. With that, we're going to uh, end the program on a happy note. And with another version of the song that we started off with. And so this is going to be uh, Pete Seeger's version of God Bless the Grass. And again, you don't have to necessarily be religious to, to dig the message that it's really all about the truth coming out and um, supporting that in any way we can. So um, thanks again for listening. Thank you to Isaac Jackson for being here. Stay tuned because coming up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val. And next week we'll have uh, Monica McIntyre and some special guests on the show. So looking forward to that. Uh, you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you uh, next week. God bless the grass that grows through the crack. They roll the concrete over it and try to keep it back. The concrete gets tired of what it has to do. It breaks and it buckles and the grass grows through. God bless the grass. God bless the truth that fights toward the sun. They roll the lies over it and think that it is done. It moves on the ground and reaches for the air. And after a while, it's growing everywhere. God bless the grass. God bless the grass that grows through cement. It's green and it's tender and it's easily bent. But after a while, it lifts up its head For the grass is living and the stone is dead God bless the grass God bless the grass that's gentle and low The roots, they are deep and the will is to grow And God bless the truth, the friend of the poor the wild grass growing round the poor man's door. God bless the grass.
Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County there are no neutrals there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Tell me, which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? My daddy was a miner, and I'm a miner's son. He'll be with you, fellow workers, until this battle's won. trickling on like a little mountain brook. Near my home in the Hudson Valley, there's a brook like this. Crystal clear. I can't say as much for the Hudson River. In a manner of speaking, there are little clear streams of music like this all through our country. 
and probably throughout the world. And sometimes the larger streams get kind of polluted, but these little streams are still there. Twenty-five years ago, I was a teenager, and I first heard music like this. And I started trying to learn some of it, and I'm still trying. Tonight, I'm simply going to sing through some of my own favorite songs, and hope somewhere along the line you help me on the chorus. recording some songs for the Library of Congress, and he and his wife were kicked out of a rooming house because they were Negro. And Alan Lomax, who was in charge of the archives, who was with him at the time, he says, oh, Hudie, don't bother. Washington's a bourgeois town anyway. <laughs> This is truly In it I would weave the bravery 
of women giving birth And in it I would weave the innocence of children Over all the earth, children of ours In it I would weave the restlessness Of men going ever forth through heat of blistering desert sands and blizzards of the north, through the frozen north. Far over the water, I'd reach my magic band. Through foreign cities to every single land, to every land. Show my brothers and my sisters my rainbow design. Bind up this sorry world with hands. And our hand mine, hand and our hand mine. Far over the water, I'd reach my magic band to every human. Fight together 